welcome to season two of Step Monster. I'm Bailey and this is Elise. We're two friends who found each other by chance and haven't looked back since. In this podcast, we talk about the highs and lows of what it's like to truly be a stepmom. Grab a drink and join us for this wild ride. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are really excited to welcome another guest today, uh, Sean Simon. She reached out to us on Instagram and has a really interesting story to tell. And not only that, but she has recently published her very own book. So we wanted to invite her on and give her a chance to sort of tell her story and talk about what prompted her to write a book and what the book is all about and sort of how she's found her purpose as a stepmom. So Sean, thank you so much for joining us. And I would love if you could maybe just start out by telling us a little bit more about you and your stepmom situation and who you are. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on your podcast. This is great to have an opportunity to share. Well, I became a stepmom, oh gosh, let me think about it, 17 years ago. So I've been at this a long time. When I first became a stepmom, well, actually, let me back up. When I first became single again after going through a divorce at the, the ripe old age of 37, seemed like it at the time. Now that seems young to me. I figured I would probably meet somebody with kids. And I thought that would be perfect for me because I work with kids for a living and kids love me. Uh, I didn't realize what a different situation that would be uh, becoming a stepmom. That you, so many of the things did not cross my mind that I'm walking into a place of grief, uh, that I am further proof that their parents are not going to be getting back together. Just all of those things did not cross my mind that these kids would not welcome me with open arms. So I found myself questioning what I had done and what I was going to do about it and cried myself to sleep, honestly, several nights wondering what have I gotten myself into. And that was when I reached out for some help. I started meeting other stepmoms and I actually started looking for books as well, but I really only found kind of the self-help books written by psychologists and nothing's wrong with that, but it's, it's, it's not the kind of book I wanted to read. I just kind of wanted to feel not so alone. I wanted to talk to other stepmoms who could relate and hear their stories. And after meeting some stepmoms and hearing their stories, I decided maybe I should write a book. And that's what I did. I wrote a book full of stories uh, from and for stepmoms. I love that. Sean, you mentioned your job. What do you do for a living? I am an educational therapist. I work with kids, smart kids who have learning challenges. My specialty is dyslexia. So I teach reading. I love that. And how old are your stepkids? Now they are grownups. Like I said, I've been doing this a long time. So my stepdaughter is 22 and my stepson is 26. And I want to say we do have a very close relationship now, but it did take time. It took time to build it. And that's what threw me off. I thought it would be easier. How old were they when you initially started dating their dad? Five and nine. Oh, wow. So you've you've really been a major part of their upbringing. Yes. And they appreciate me now. And I will see that on Mother's Day with what they write in cards to me or on my birthday or things like that. And it, it really warms my heart. You know, it's one of those things that you think, and I've heard bio moms say this too, that you, your kids don't really appreciate you when you're, 
when they're young. It's when they get older that they realize how lucky they've been to have you. And so I'm hearing that more now than I did in the beginning. So it's nice. I definitely agree with you on that. I I think the older kids get, the more they learn to appreciate their parents and everything that their parents did for them while they were growing up. Yes, definitely. Sean, again, thank you so much for joining us. I think it's amazing to have your perspective and I have so many questions for you, but I guess my initial question would be from the timeline of when the kids were five and nine and meeting them, what did that look like? And then how did it progress? Did things change or what was like, what was that like for your scenario? Well, that's interesting that you should ask that. Again, it takes me back because it has been a while. But when my husband and I met, obviously I knew he had kids, but it was very funny. We, we really wanted to do everything right. I, being an educational therapist, I know a lot of psychologists, I know a lot of therapists, so I'm getting all this advice and trying to figure out how to do this. And so we planned for me to meet the kids in a, in a neutral place. My husband and I met through friends, so we arranged it to meet them at a friend's house so that it would be very neutral. And then my husband had a gathering at his house and I was invited. And then we did this Uh, what we kind of call a first date where they came to my house and we took them to the aquarium and we did this and that. And it was very cute. At the end, we were at my house and the kids said, are we having a sleepover? (laughs) We, We thought, well, this is going well. The fact that they would say that, but we did not want to do that, obviously. And so we didn't. And when they were leaving, my stepson looked up at me with this big smile and he said, you could be my stepmom one day. And I just thought, Oh, that's so cute. I know it was so sweet. And, uh, and that's when you think, Oh, it's going so great until you move in. And then, and like I said, we did this all so slowly, you know, everything so slowly. And my stepson wrote an essay in 10th grade and he decided to write it about me. And it needed to be this descriptive essay. And he said about me, practically a stranger moving into his house, dripping in jewelry, dripping in jewelry. I do like jewelry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And how he, you know, barely knew me. And suddenly I moved into his house and he, he finished it with saying nice things about me, but it cracked me up because it was here. We tried so hard to do this. So right. And it makes you realize you really can't. There, there really isn't, it's nothing's perfect and nothing's going to go necessarily that smoothly, no matter how hard you try. And it's just important to be real and be authentic and do your best. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I (laughs) cracks me up too, that he, he wrote, he wrote a whole essay about how disruptive that was. And I mean, I think, you know, there's always the, when you're writing things like that, you want to try to, you're trying to make a story, right? You're writing a story. So it needs to be entertaining. And there were definitely some moments in my stepkids upbringing where there was some slight embellishment about the way that things were happening. But I'm like, you know what? If you, you got to just take that stuff with a grain of salt. If you let every little thing like that upset you, then as a stepmom, you're likely to be upset 99.9% of the time. But I, I completely agree with the doing it, doing it slow. My husband and I did the same thing. We were very slow to introduce. We were very slow to move in with each other. And it's funny, my stepson was also actually the first one who asked me to spend the night and was the first one to ask me if 
I was going to be moving in with them because I was just there all the time anyways. And it just made sense. So I think it's a testament to going slow in the beginning is the right thing to do for multiple reasons. However, it does not mean things are going to just be sunshine and rainbows once you actually move in. No, not at all. In fact, I moved into the house that my husband lived in with his ex-wife and kids because he bought her out of the house. He didn't want the kids to have more change and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I lived an hour away in a small little house. And, you know, he came with the bigger house, the two kids and a better job. And so I needed to move in there with my dog and my two cats. And obviously I wanted to make it my own. And my husband said, hey, you know, change whatever you want. He, you know, I mean, I want you to feel at home here. And so I did just that, did a lot, had a painter come and I bought new furniture and I did all this decorating. and. I promised the kids that I would not change their rooms or their playroom. Well, my stepson came home again. My stepson came home from school one day and kind of mumbled. The painter was there again and he kind of mumbled a hello and went upstairs and he came out onto the landing and he said, John, you promised me you wouldn't change my room. I hadn't changed his room. I didn't do anything to it. But what dawned on me is I must have been making so many changes in the house that he thought something was different in his room. And I decided I better slow things down a little bit. Yeah, that's a crazy thing. So I also moved into the house that my husband lived in with his ex-wife and children. And that was a, a weird thing for me. My stepdaughter in particular still teases that she was happy that I moved in because when I did, there were like Marvel posters on the wall and it was very barren in terms of decoration. So I warmed it up a little bit. Um, but I did notice that they both were oddly protective, odd to me at the time, oddly protective over what was considered their space. Like they didn't tell me not to change it. And in fact, my stepdaughter, even I gave her like a bed that I had so that she could have a queen size bed and helped her kind of like rearrange and redecorate. But they're, if they had things around the house and I moved it because I, it was in the way of what I was doing, they were very quick to get upset about something that I touched that was theirs. And I, I think that's something that people don't realize in a blended family situation. Like the kids room and their things when everything else has been so disrupted, they don't, they, they need to find something to grab onto and that's their things and that's their safe space. So any disruption to that sometimes causes a larger, more negative reaction than one would typically think. Yeah. Then you think is maybe warranted, but given all the emotion around it, that makes sense. And it's interesting because you have to find that balance because in, in our situation, your, yours and mine, and I don't know about you, Elise, but moving into their house, uh, where again, their mom lived and all of that, we also have to make it feel like home to us. And that's so you, but so finding that balance is what was tricky for me. And that's why I told them your spaces, I won't touch. There were, there was this really ugly wallpaper in the kitchen. And I remember when we got rid of that, how suddenly, and again, it was usually my stepson. He had more issues with the change and he still has issues with change in general and his, his personality and the way he is. 
but suddenly he loved that wallpaper. Really? It was like grapes and flowers or something. I, he didn't care about the wallpaper. But it's like you said, just too many changes. Yeah. So same situation for me. I moved from four hours away and with my now husband into his marital home that he had, you know, same as you, Sean, bought her out and ensured that the kids had some sort of stability and, and maintain the house. He had made some changes, uh, flooring and furniture, prop, maybe a little bit of paint prior to even us dating. So when I moved in, there wasn't really anything besides like maybe a couch here and there or like family photos that that we changed out. Not that, you know, he had, it was just photos of him and the kids. And then in the, the girls' rooms were photos with um, them and their mom. So that way, you know, they had that, right? So a sense of comfort. So I, I just, there wasn't a lot that I wanted to change about the house, nor did I care. I just have never been the, the decorating one. That's more my husband. So if we're going to do a remodel, as Bailey knows, with the projects we've done around our house, I have like, oh, okay, maybe two things that I have preferences on, but the majority of it is him. So I I cannot share in the same sentiment of having to be worried about that just because it wasn't anything on my radar. You are a lucky lady. Full disclosure, when I first came to the house that I ended up moving into, I was like, you did these changes and you decorated this while, you know, he took all of the credit at the time. And he's very good with picking that stuff out. But I think he had the help from former girlfriends. And I full on thought that he probably was um, not that into women if he was that good at decorating. (laughs) Which he knows, I've told him. (laughs) That's hilarious. So funny. That's really funny because my brother, who is straight and has a wife and is, you know, is also very good at decorating, much more so than his wife, which is really funny. But I love my home is my haven. And I never got that attached to that house. I just couldn't. And and in fact, my friends were telling me, boy, you filled up every and I do love tchotchkes and all that kind of stuff in the first place, but they cracked up because they said, you're doing even more of that in this house, you know, like filling every corner and trying to just really claim it. So one of my friends said that that it looked like I had peed all over the house. I can see that though. If, If your space is serene to you and you need it to be like a calm environment, I can see wanting to do all of the things because that's important to you. And it makes perfect sense, especially because there is a lot of angst around stepmoms and women who move in to the former marital home. And it's like catastrophic for some some women. They just can't wait. Like they're itching to just put the house up for sale. I told him when the kids graduated, I was going to, I said, we were moving when the kids graduate from high school, we're moving. And we did six years ago into my dream home. And it's been so fun doing all of this with him together, not having to, yeah, not without the history. Yeah, you were nice and had him wait until graduation. I was not so nice. I was like, I'm, I'm ready. (laughs) It was also a good time to buy a house, which made it not a great time to sell the house. But I was definitely, I just, it just never really felt right to me. And I always felt like a visitor, even though I tried to make it my own. We did some redecorating. I tried so hard, but everywhere I looked, I'm like, she took a shower in there. 
oh, that's the bed that this is the bedroom that they slept in. Like I, it just like I could not get past that. And thankfully, by the time I came to move, my stepkids were like nearing middle school age and their bedrooms at their last house were very small. So the appeal was like, you get a big bedroom. And for my stepdaughter, it was like, you can have a walk-in closet and, you know, we're going to find, you know, find a new house together. And they, they did, they came and looked at houses with us and, and we house shopped together. And that was, that was kind of fun. And when we finally found the house, they were so excited that that was the house. And it was something kind of cool. And then I let them pick out paint colors for their new rooms and tried to just like include them in the discussions and in the the process a little bit so that they would also feel like the new home is still home for them. Right. We, we did that as well with my stepson at that point didn't care anymore, but my stepdaughter did to a certain extent. And so she came with us to look at the house and to pick the bedroom that she wanted because my stepson didn't care. So I wanted her involved too. But it's funny when you talk about that because there is that buy-in. And one of the issues I had and one of the things that prompted me to write the book was when I moved in with them, with the three of them, and with again, with my dog and my two cats and my stepdaughter spit on my dog. And my dog was a golden mix with lots and lots of fur and didn't even feel it, I'm sure. But I, she would follow me everywhere. And I went into the bathroom and she would lay in front of the door. And I came out of the bathroom to find this glob of spit in the middle of her back. And since my stepdaughter and I were the only ones home, deductive reasoning, <laughs> So I went in to talk to her about it. And because I work with children, I didn't just get mad. I had this conversation with her about what happened. And my dog, Ivy, went to work with me. She loved kids. She's gentle as soul, not like the little yappy ones I have now. And, uh, and I, but I asked her, I said, did Ivy snap at you? Did she chew up any of your toys? And all I got was the, you know, drop of the head and the hair covering the face. And I said, are you jealous of Ivy? And she nodded. And she's only six years old. And, and she doesn't remember doing this. And we're so close now. So it's just really, and she knows I share this story. And she, I asked her, what does it mean to be jealous? And she said, it's when you think somebody has something you want. Which that was pretty good for a six-year-old. And I said, do you think I love Ivy more than you? And she nodded. And I said, well, honey, and, and I don't know where this came from. But I said, if the house was on fire and you two were trapped inside, who do you think I would rescue first? And she looked up at me with her pretty eyes and said, me? And I said, yes, honey, because you're the most important little girl in the world to me. And that was the first time she threw herself into my arms. And uh, it was so sweet. I know it was so sweet until I told a friend of mine who said, you lied to her? Oh, God. <laughs> I often mention Bailey's dogs, but I do think that given the opportunity and just seeing the genuineness in your face that, you know, of course you understand. And I think you were genuine in your statement. Bailey, on the other hand, no, I'm joking. She totally would, would do the same thing. Most of the time, yes. With my stepson, who's currently 17, it depends on the day. <laughs> okay, so Sean, now I'm curious. What was your custody? So I want to get into this and then I have some questions about your book. So what was your custody schedule like? And how was the co-parenting situation? Like, what were the good 
the bad and the ugly? We had 50% custody. And at first, it was really crazy. We had, let's see, how did this work? She had Monday, we had Tuesday, she had Wednesday. We had Thursday after my husband got off work. And then we switched off the weekends or something like that. And it was so chaotic with this, you know, first you're at one house, then you're at the other, then you're at the other. And I just felt like the kids could never settle because we had very different parenting styles. And so we ended up switching, not week on week off, but Monday and Tuesday with their mom, Wednesday and Thursday with us, and then every other weekend. So at least they had a little bit more consistency. Yeah, that's a much more typical schedule now. If you don't do week on week off, it's called like a two, two, three. Oh, interesting. I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah, they've named it now. So I, I love that. And that was my idea. Maybe I should get credit for that because I know. Absolutely. <laughs> just felt like they would at least settle in a little bit more if we didn't jump around so much. Um, and I do think that helped. But yeah, we had 50% custody. And the a lot of the issues I had, and I have a chapter in my book called Dealing with the Bio Mom, a lot of the issues I had related to that. And that was another thing that I didn't really understand how she could have such issues with me because I did did do love her children and I was and am good to them. But I understand now as I've learned more and have talked to, I'm not a biological mom. I never had kids of my own. I just have furry kids. And I understand though from other biological moms who have had to share their kids with the step parent, there's that you feel threatened that the kids are going to love them more or in, in our society, we don't share parenting like some cultural groups might do. We don't do that. You have an isolated family and nobody else helps you raise your children. And so if somebody else is helping to raise your children, that doesn't feel right to us. And so I think that's partly why it was so hard for her. I think about this often when I think about our blended situation. And my husband and I have even had conversations of, you know, in the the very off chance that something didn't work out between us, what would it look like for our son, right? And I think that that's one of those things that having the opportunity to see it from another woman's perspective who would come into the picture lends to giving me a completely different lens of how I would view the situation. And I don't, a lot of women don't have that uh, perspective. And so I do think just to what you said, it lends to this view of defense. And you don't know what it looks like on the other side. And even if it's not worry that, that your children may love that woman more, it's just her being there, I think can create a lot of um, angst and fear. So yeah, I I look forward to at some point having the opportunity to read that chapter of your book because it sounds like you have some really good insight. There were some challenging experiences for sure. And one of them was when my stepson wanted to call me mom. After I married his dad, he asked if he could call me mom. And I said, sure. I said, you can call me whatever you want as long as it's nice. 
And he did for that weekend. Uh, and it felt good because again, I don't have kids of my own. And my dog that I mentioned earlier, she never once called me mom. I, you know. And uh, so I, I really liked it. And then he went back to his mom's and then came back to us. And he told me, he said, I am not allowed to call you mom. So in his innocence, he told her he was doing that. And she did not like that at all. And again, I didn't quite get where she was coming from. I just think the more kids who, the more kids, the more people who love your kids, the better. But she, again, she's mom and she did not want me to be mom. So I told him, I said, well, you can still call me mom if you want to, but I think it's great that you're choosing to respect how your mom feels. That was how I handled that. And and then he decided to call me Smom. <laughs> that was what I was going to say is, I don't think that I would ever be comfortable with my son calling another woman mom, but like Mama Sean or some derivative, I think is innocent and completely fine. And eventually they get to the teenage year and like, sometimes I call my parents by their first name anyways. So I think people put too much weight on some of that stuff, but solely mom, I, I totally get, but there can be like other options. It doesn't have to be just a hard no. I think what you said, Sean, though, about how you reacted to hearing that in response is something that can be applied to so many different scenarios as a stepmom. So, you know, oftentimes the stepkids will go back to their moms and say something that they don't like to hear and they have a strong opinion about it. And sometimes when the stepmoms hear that, their reaction is, well, she's wrong. Or I, I, she shouldn't be mad about that. It doesn't involve her household. But I think the way that you responded to that was incredibly mature and, you know, understand, like, it's really important for them to understand that you do respect their mom's opinion. And we wish that there would be a mutual respect in most scenarios, although most of us don't have that luxury. Um, but it, it is important to just show the kids like I support your mom's opinion and I support her and I respect that because I, I feel like a lot of times, especially lately, I don't I don't know what's in the air, but I feel like I get a lot of messages from stepmoms who it just sounds to me like their kids are afraid to like their stepmoms and afraid to for their mom to know that they're having fun at that household or that they're calling their stepmom mom or the kids are like, they feel like they're betraying their mom if they like you and if they have fun at your house. And that's such a sad place to put a kid. But when you respond the way that you did, you're making it known that like you're not asking them to choose. You're you're supporting them as a, a human, whether or not they want to call you mom or whatever other situation you're in. Yeah, I absolutely love that response, Sean. So kudos to you. I think that's a great way to handle that situation, especially with a young kid. Thank you. I I had to, sometimes what you say, you know, is right, but what you feel in your heart, it did hurt. And I did have to acknowledge that. And I had to realize that I think it's what you said before, Bailey or, or Elise, I'm not, I'm not sure who said it. But it's not so much what the person calls you, it's the relationship. And I had to realize that it's okay that they're not calling me mom or even something similar. I've just been Sean all along, but it's the relationship that matters. It's what we were building. And over time, they did start to see that I'm very stable and I'm very solid and I am who I am. And that's 
not changing. And there was a lot more volatility at the other house. And, but at our house, there wasn't. And I, I guess kind of the way, you know, there was a, there's that thing of staying together for the kids. But I think that it's better to be from a broken home than in a broken home. And I felt like in our house, the kids got to see a strong, healthy relationship. They would see us argue, but they would see us make up. I mean, we were very real. And I think that's so important. And what I realized is, well, they're going to have choices to make because in their mom's house, they're, they're, they're divorced now, but their mom and their stepdad fought a lot. And we would hear about that and they would tell us and it was hard for them. And I just had to tell them, well, I'm sorry that's happening over there. That makes me sad. I hope they can work it out, but you can always come here and we'll always be that safe place for you. And yeah, that's, that's all you can do. I agree with that. I, my husband, I think, had a hard time coming to terms with the idea that it's sometimes not better to stay together for the kids. Uh, even, you know, a couple of years later, he was like, I don't know, like, is, is it better? And my stepdaughter, when she, even when she was younger and even still, she's like, I want a relationship like you guys have mm-hmm. because she sees the healthy relationship and what a healthy marriage with like mutual respect and, you know, not throwing daggers at each other constantly looks like. And it's made my husband and myself so happy to hear her say that because she's recognized that this is what you should expect from a relationship and what you were in before shouldn't, shouldn't be normal. Um, and, and it's okay for you to demand that because she's, 21 now and in a serious relationship, absolutely love her boyfriend. (laughs) And I'm so happy for them. And they do have a really good relationship. She went through a couple doozies uh, before this one, but she knows what that feels like now. And she knows what that's supposed to look like. And it gave me so much joy to be able to set that example for her. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And I think a lot of stepmoms, maybe not a lot, but a good majority of them struggle with things that aren't said that are accurate about one home versus the other. And then that stuff can flow over into pictures being painted that aren't accurate. And I think that really can weigh on some stepmom's marriages. And we've gotten quite a few messages around that. And I, you know, I can, I feel for the stepmoms who are dealing with that. That's definitely not a good situation when the kids aren't. And that was going to be, Sean, what I was asking you is how much of that do you when the kids would come to you and say they're fighting, you know, X, Y, Z, how much of that did you have to take with a grain of salt or, or did you pretty much always know that it was what it was? You mean hearing them talk about their mom and stepdad fighting? Right. I just tried to be there for them. I just tried to be a, uh, what is that term? Like maybe a sounding board, but I do know what you're talking about with bad mouthing. We did get a lot of that. And my, me and my husband were bad mouthed and, and that fear of getting close to a step parent. I do know that was the challenge with my stepdaughter. I feel like with my stepson, he didn't seem to have the same issues. I think my stepdaughter felt that loyalty and perhaps it's because for my stepson, relating to your dad, you know, but my stepdaughter, I think was trying to connect with me and trying to keep the relationship with her mom. And that was really hard for her. And our relationship went up and down, up and down, up and down for years. And it finally came out when she was about 11 that she really hoped 
her mom and dad would get back together. And she was so cute. She said, I still want you in my life. Like maybe you could live next door. Well, that's a cute sentiment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And my husband had to make it clear to her that no matter what happened between me and him, he was never getting back together with her mom. And I think that was important. Uh, he, you know, it, you know, wasn't like, well, if I wasn't around, he would get back together with, you know, he wanted to make sure she understood that. And after that conversation, things slowly went uphill between the two of us. We got closer and closer over time. There were no more backslides. But the bad mouthing that we heard, and my stepson's so honest, and he would come over and tell us, mom said this. <laughs> And I just, again, it wasn't easy to hear, but I just said, you know, I don't care what they say about me or your dad. We just are going to continue to be who we are. And I'm really sorry that she's saying those things. And that's got to be really tough for you. But, you know, and again, it would hurt inside, but I just, I knew it wasn't personal. You know, it wasn't really even about me. She barely even knew me. In fact, I had met her at a party because we met through mutual friends. And so I had met her when they were still married and she liked me. She wanted to be friends with me <laughs> and flash forward. So I knew it wasn't really about me. It's not. It very rarely is actually about you, you, Sean, the person. It's mostly about the situation. And I, I even told a girl in our Instagram DMs this morning, I'm like, you cannot control what she says about you. You can't. All you can do is react exactly the way that you just said you reacted. I'm sorry that those things are being said. They are not true. That must make you really uncomfortable. And I'm really sorry about that. But I'm I'm not upset. And, you know, you can go cry in your bedroom with a bottle of wine. But I think it's important for the kids to hear just that's just in life, generally speaking, right? Like other people's opinions should not matter to you. You just you can't control it. And it you'll drown yourself trying to. Um so I want to I want to get to your book, obviously. So I I would love if you could tell us more about your book and help those that listen to us understand where they can buy it, of course, and then what to expect when they read it. My book is called Stepping Into a New Role: Stories from Stepmoms. A little bit of a mouthful, but <laughs> and the picture on the front is a picture of my stepdaughter spitting on my dog. <laughs> and I did ask her for permission for that to be depicted. And she just laughed and she thought it was funny. So at this point, she didn't care about that. So that was good. Um, but that was what the, the illustrator asked me what the book was about. And then I told her it was a collection of stories. And she said, well, do you have a favorite story? And I said, well, the story that prompted the whole book. And I told her that story. And that's the picture she came up with. So it's kind of fun. It's, you know, it, it really is kind of like a stepmom support group in writing. I interviewed about 14, 15 stepmoms, something about like that, and heard their stories on topics such as Not My Mother's Day, uh, The Joy of Holidays, There's No Such Thing as Step Grandma, Dealing with the Bio Mom. All kinds of jealousy, which is where the story of my stepdaughter spitting on my dog is in that chapter. And me, uh, my stepson wanting to call me mom, that's in that chapter too. Um, not evil, just human. Because I think as stepmoms, we try so hard to get away from that notion of the evil stepmom. 
that was one of my reasons for wanting to write the book as well to help people realize we're actually loving people trying our best to create this new family system that's unique but we're going to mess up and i have a story in there i remember telling my friend the story and she said you know you need to put that story in your book you don't get just to be get to be the be- great stepmom who never messes up you have to put that story in there i was oh do i really but i did and uh, it was an embarrassing moment and it's in there it's in the book um trying to think of what are some of the other chapters but that's that's what it, if if you guys know about the chicken soup books it's a little bit like that and they never did a book for stepmoms by the way so i did I love that. I actually used to love those books growing up. I Me read too. all the chicken soup books. Same. And I totally appreciate that you put in a chapter of where you made a mistake because I think where a lot of stepmoms struggle is you make mistakes and it varies based on the person because it's a huge learning curve for most women, right? Especially most of us aren't going into it with children of our own already. I think that's like probably if I had to guess, like 10 to 20% of women already have kids that find themselves in this role. And so you're learning with kids who A, are not yours and B, in this very dynamic situation where you're vilified. There's a lot of people who don't like you anyways. And it's like just compiles, right? So I think for me, that was the reason that I really wanted to start this podcast was to help women who felt like they just were in the trenches and doing all the wrong things to try to give them some sort of guidance because Lord knows I have made plenty of mistakes and like you, things that I'm embarrassed about, but I didn't know any better until I knew better. Yeah, I I agree with that. Right. And I one of the things that you were saying too, I think for stepmoms, I don't know about you two, but I often felt if I got mad or if I showed any of those negative human emotions, oh, the kids wouldn't love me anymore. They wouldn't like me anymore. That wouldn't happen if you're the real mom. They're always going to love you because you're the real mom. But me, they have a choice to not like me anymore, not love me anymore. And that that crossed my mind way too many times (laughs) that I when I think back. And it, it, it doesn't work like that in that situation either. And as a teenager, there were plenty of times I didn't like my mom. For sure. I keep reminding people of that when they are like, my stepkids don't like me. I'm like, babe, join the club. Lots of kids don't like their parents, especially between the ages of like 12 and 18. Like those years suck as any parent can attest to. And it's just challenging. Like I was a, at least and I talk all the time about the absolutely horrid teenagers that both of us were. And I've at my poor mom, but like we have a great relationship now. And I think that's important too. It's like you, you're trying to find the balance between being liked because they, you're right. They don't have to like you. They don't have to love you. You are not their biological mom. But I think we're, sometimes where stepmoms misstep a little bit and where I misstepped earlier on is being liked is not doesn't mean that you let them walk all over you and doesn't mean that you tolerate them being disrespectful. It doesn't mean that you don't tell them when they did something to upset you. It just means you, you have to pick and choose very carefully 
where and how you've decided to show those emotions. And, you know, you have to let the dad lead on things like discipline. But if they say something disrespectful to you, stand up for yourself. Um, I've always, I've always found myself in coaching sessions and in Instagram DMs, like telling people, you don't have to tolerate abuse from anyone, from your stepkids. Like that, it, that doesn't mean, you know, it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's something that comes up all the time. And I see women constantly frustrated by that notion. It's an, it, being a stepmom is in and of itself an ambivalent role. We're not mom. We're not an aunt. We're not a grandparent. We're not somebody that they've known their whole lives. And I think for kids to have an adult coming into their life, other than a teacher, who they don't love right off the bat because they've just known them forever, is very weird. And in fact, one of my my favorite chapters is called Falling in Love. And it's not about falling in love with your spouse. It's about falling in love with your stepkids, which not everybody does. But for those of us who do, that's quite a beautiful thing because, again, they don't love you when you first meet them and you don't love them. You don't even know each other, but you're developing this relationship over time. And again, it's very weird. It's a very weird relationship. They don't call very many adults by their first name, yet they're calling us by their first name. So it, the whole thing is very bizarre. And so, yeah, it, it can be a really crazy, weird relationship. And one of the things you were saying before about that is you hear about these people who are really struggling with their spouse. And as many first marriages that fail and end up in divorce, more, a higher percentage does for step families because it is so hard. I always say that if my husband wasn't as open-minded as he was, I don't think it would have worked. With my experience with children and having degrees working with children, I understand kids and he let those kids walk all over him. They didn't do anything. They didn't do any chores. He had so much guilt around the divorce and they didn't eat any vegetables. They didn't, I mean, it was crazy. And, and as you were saying before, Bailey, you, you don't discipline, but I was behind the scenes saying, dude, <laughs> you need to make some changes here. And he was very open to he basically at the end of the night, you go, okay, come on, give me my report card. How did I do today? Oh, that's so great that he was actually open to that because you are preaching out loud because there are so many stepmoms who are like, why are you letting this kid get away with murder in your house? What do you mean they don't have chores? Actually, just this morning, too, I got a message um, from a stepmom saying that their their stepkid is going back to their mom and saying how terrible their household is to live in because he has to take out the trash and do the dishes. And I'm like, sorry, this is not a real conversation that's happening. Is it like chores are a good thing? And who cares if she doesn't like that you make their kids do chores at his house? Like, it, it's insane to me. Real talk. I have two brothers and I was on the grass mowing rotation. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> fair, fair share of the work. <laughs> and then I see our neighbors have four kids and those kids are constantly working. And I'm like, Hey, how do you guys do that? Can you teach me some tricks? But really, I think the bottom line, if you take nothing else away from anything that we say is love and kindness and patience, and you're on the right path, truly is my like just foundation of how to try to be a good stepmom. That's right. Doing the best that we can. And I think reaching out for help and support, like listening to your podcast and reading my book, 
all of those things uh, would are, are all helpful. Yeah, Sean, where where all can people find your book at? So it is on my website, which is stepmomshawn.com. And it is on uh, Barnes and Noble, the Barnes and Noble site. And with the publishing house, which is four, the number four, rvpublishing.com. Awesome. Thank you. We'll make sure to, for everybody that's listening, to put links to where you can buy Sean's book in the show notes so that you can just have a quick and easy direct link there. But Sean, it was so great having you on. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. This is so much fun. I so appreciate and and you both having me on. And like I was saying, there's such comfort in knowing we're not alone, right? There absolutely is. It is great. I just love talking to you too, because you guys get it. We sure do. We've, you know, it's been a, been a crazy journey. It's been a fun, fun journey hearing all these stories over the last year and doing this podcast and being able to talk to so many different women. And we are so grateful. Yeah. And thank you again, Sean. And for anyone out there that's listening, we are always open for coaching sessions. You can DM us on Instagram or reach out to us at stepmonsterpodcast at gmail.com. And we'd be happy to try to give you some advice or give you some more pointed information. Or if you have a mini-sode, we're still accepting stories for that. Again, DM or Gmail. And thanks for listening and hope you have the best day ever. Thank you again, Sean. We love all of you. Bye. Bye. Bye.